Are you someone who has a tough time with apologies? Or maybe you say sorry so much that it's your default way of starting a sentence. Perhaps you think you're a pretty good apologizer, but your partners or co-workers don't seem to agree. Are there times when an apology is worse than no apology? Today we're going to talk about all the dysfunctional ways to apologize and how a bad one can be worse than none at all. We'll discuss six versions of I'm sorry that can be considered roadmaps of what not to do and which may cause more problems than they solve. So many of us have a fraught relationship with apologizing, and it might have been that way since we were kids. If you've ever been interested in hearing what makes an apology good versus running the risk of putting you in the doghouse even further, you'll want to listen to today's baggage check. Welcome. It's good to have you today. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about whether a zebra is white with black stripes or black with white stripes. So, let's get to it. Apologizing is something that we are taught to do from the time that we are very young, And often it's thought of as a pill to be swallowed, rather than an opportunity to make meaningful changes in our relationships or to strengthen our connections. As adults, we may carry some of the same negative associations or bad habits with apologizing that we picked up on the playground. And in fact, some of us make a point never to apologize at all. That's probably not good. We should do an episode sometimes on those of us who apologize never or those of us who apologize just for existing. But that's not what we're focused on most today. Today we're focused on doing apology makeovers, restructuring apologies that are a little weak, a little problematic, and probably won't be as helpful as you think they'll be. Because many of us end up apologizing in a way that sabotages ourselves, or further hurts the people we're apologizing to the point where we might be doing more harm than good. Do you recognize yourself in any of this? Have you been on the receiving end of some of these apologies? If so, then you know what I'm talking about. There are those apologies that you just want to return to sender immediately. And of course, apologies alone often aren't sufficient just on their own especially if there's no evidence that there will be a change in behavior. Like the folks who just use an apology as a constant get-out-of-jail-free card in order to be able to go and commit more crimes against your relationship. We'll talk about that, too, in some of these examples. But even if you have the best of intentions, there are a lot of potential pitfalls with apologizing. So here are six ways that even a good apology that is coming from the right place in your heart can start to turn a little bit dysfunctional. The more you can really think through the process of making amends and why you're doing the apologizing and what you want to express, the more meaningful your words can be and the more difference they can make. So here are six things not to do. Number one, retrying your case. An apology is not a time to try yet again to make your point or justify your behavior or imply that the other person deserved it. 
If you still feel the need to do that, it's time for a different type of conversation, one that isn't framed as your apology. And that doesn't necessarily make you in the wrong. Maybe there still is a lot to sort out with whatever happened. Maybe it's just not apology time yet. Maybe the conflict is messy and complicated because we are human beings. And your desire to just slap on an apology that you end up putting a lot of footnotes on because you're really not ready to apologize just isn't going to be the best thing. Because a genuine apology takes ownership of the negative effect that your behavior had on someone else. Full stop. When you say, I'm sorry, but I was just trying to... When you add that to an apology, it sounds like you're really not sorry at all. I'm sorry, but... Your but is pretty problematic there. Now there's a sentence I don't say often. Spelling is very important here. Gotta go check the transcript to make sure I'm not inadvertently body shaming anyone. But again, when you've got that but, B-U-T, that asterisk, that footnote, that just tries to reopen your case and justify your behavior. It makes the apology sound pretty weak and potentially insincere. If you're truly ready to apologize, resist the urge to do this. Of course you have reasons for your behavior, reasons that were pretty compelling. You probably wouldn't have done the thing you did otherwise. But that's not what the apology is about. The apology is about regret and being sorry. And maybe you seem a little less sorry if you're just trying to convince someone that your why of your motivation made sense. It makes it sound like you're just looking to open a discussion to justify what you did and to get another chance in front of the judge and jury. Well, honestly, the point of an apology is that you have been found guilty already, at least of something. So don't retry that same case right then and there in the same conversation. Number two, promising something that you can't deliver. When people feel that they've really dug themselves into a hole with their behavior, they might be willing to say anything in order to get out of that hole. It's like the cute little kid with their hand in the cookie jar. Mommy, I will never eat any sweets again. Well, grown-ups do this too. There's the grandiose pronouncement about behavior change and unrealistic promises about what we will or won't do ever again in the future. There's often a ton of all or none thinking that just doesn't make any sense in these apologies. It's not rational. It doesn't include any flexibility. It's not realistic. So it ends up automatically negating the apology. I'm sorry, I promise I will never, ever be late to pick you up again. I mean, what is that? Have you not witnessed the dumpster fire of DC Beltway traffic? It's so much better to be realistic. I am really sorry. I will build a habit of making a point to try to leave 10 minutes earlier when I need to get you during rush hour. The truth is, if you promise something that you'll just go back on, then that is likely more damaging to trust than had you never made the promise at all. It's like the people who are running late, but instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to be there in 20 minutes, they say they're almost there. So for the next 20 minutes, the person is constantly disappointed. And if you make one of these false promises, you'll be back in the same situation, needing to apologize all over again, only with your words meaning even less than they did before. 
It's like some sort of economic law gone wild. Returns keep diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And now your apology is worth about as much as that foil wrapper that you put your used gum in. And then you stuffed it in your pocket and now the gum is sort of sticking out of the wrapper and everything's gotten kind of foul. Avoid this. Instead, be realistic about what you're offering to do differently and put forth the effort to truly make progress on that change, even if it's not perfect. Number three, ignoring the reason that the problem happened in the first place. As many couples therapists will tell you, and as I just alluded to, the best apology is a true change in behavior. If your apology doesn't make room for an understanding of what led to the problematic action in the first place and makes zero attempt to address it, then it is just words. Why not just sing some modest mouse lyrics instead? Those are probably more interesting words. A good apology has insight into what happened and acknowledges that because that's the whole key to how things will be different. Now remember, we're acknowledging what happened and what went wrong without trying to explain away our behavior to justify it, to negate it. That's the key difference here. That's how it doesn't run afoul of the whole idea of trying to retry your case. And this is where it's important that we distinguish ourselves from being the person that's just seeking the get-out-of-jail card. So many of us have been conditioned to use, I'm sorry, as a means to just go on our merry way and do the same thing once more, having learned nothing. In fact, some frequent apologizers do this. Now, there are many brands of frequent apologizers. Some of them really do have a guilt complex, or it's a verbal tick, or it's a response that's been ingrained culturally, perhaps having some gendered expectations built in. But there are other frequent apologizers who just say it perfunctorily to try to get what they want. Not because of guilt or timidness, but rather the opposite. Oh, I'll just say I'm sorry, and that will take care of it. Who cares what I did? Who cares what I'm even apologizing for? This ought to do the trick. Like bribing a maitre d' in some movie cliche. I'll just hand out these apologies left and right, and I'll get what I want. Nope. If you're truly sorry, it means you're reckoning with the fact that you need to not make the same mistake again. And you're understanding and acknowledging what to put into place to help prevent that from happening. Number four, adding conditions that negate the apology. So here is the but again, but in a slightly different way. Here, maybe you're not attempting to retry your case or justify your behavior, but maybe you're deflecting things altogether. You want to start a new trial with the person who you're apologizing to being the one on trial. They have to justify themselves. I'm sorry, but it just really angers me when you do that. I'm sorry, but you did the same thing last week. I'm sorry, but I told you this might happen and I couldn't help it. Okay, there might be a legitimate conversation here that needs to happen. Again, if you feel this way, I'm not negating it. But those conditions that you need to talk about, those should not be superglued to the apology itself. It's become almost a cliche how, I'm sorry, but how that practically presses an undo button on what you were trying to say. Or the infamous, I'm sorry if, 
where it almost seems like you're apologizing on behalf of the other person for their behavior. I'm sorry if you took my words wrong. That immediately implies that the other person is to blame for their reaction. I'm sorry if you didn't realize that this was going to happen. There's a huge asterisk there. And you can see that glaring asterisk a mile away, like the neon lights of Vegas approaching in the desert. Again, it's realistic that apologies sometimes warrant further discussion. And they may feel like they need to have an asterisk. I'm all about asterisks because I'm all about nuance and complexity and shades of gray to the point where I think it drives my students a little bananas. But go ahead and have that more nuanced discussion. If you're approaching an apology as a one-off thing where it's your apology, then attaching all those conditions and asterisks just muddies the waters. Or having a premature apology that spouts off so many conditions that it doesn't feel real, that just shuts down the conversation and will make your actual apology go unheard. Number five, expecting something in return. If you spent any time around kids, you've probably seen it. Okay, I'm sorry. Now can I get my ice cream? Or the grown-up version. All right, I'm sorry. Can we just move on now and not talk about this anymore? Checking the box of the apology with a clear agenda in order to get what you want, or similarly to force the other person to apologize or to make them accept your apology no matter what, this all makes your own apology ring hollow. This is an important point. An apology doesn't always have to be accepted. And certainly it doesn't have to be accepted right away. Apologies are not quid pro quo. It's not, if I say this, then you must do that. Apologies have to be rendered because they feel authentic in their own right. Not that they're supposed to start this chain reaction where you end up getting something you want. Again, this isn't the courtroom where we use an admission of guilt as a bargaining chip. This is real life and real feelings. Apologize because you believe that you erred and you want to make amends to the person you hurt. Not because it's supposed to put a sequence of events into motion where you receive a prize at the end. Of course, in many conflicts, it's natural for you to be hoping to receive an apology as well, and that might feel like a condition that you need. But try as much as possible to separate your own apology from that condition, at least out loud. If you're truly sorry, it shouldn't be contingent on what you'll receive in the future. And finally, number six, ignoring the other person's feelings. As we've already established, some people are very quick to apologize because they hope that they can just move on from the discomfort of someone being upset with them. But sometimes the person on the receiving end doesn't yet want to move on or may not be ready to hear an apology. Keep in mind that an apology needs to work first and foremost for the person who is receiving it. If you ignore the fact that the person doesn't want to hear from you yet, or isn't yet ready to talk about what happened, or may not be ready to forgive you, then you're making your apology only about yourself if you go full steam ahead with those expectations. Again, your apology is about the effect it will have on the person receiving it. 
your own atoning for your behavior, for yourself, that can happen in many ways. You can journal about it, reflect upon it. You can reckon with your own battle for self-forgiveness. You may have spiritual beliefs that come into play. You may dedicate yourself to doing something good for the world after you feel like you made a mistake. So remember, there are all kinds of ways of dealing with mistakes that you've made, ways of dealing with them autonomously for you in your own right. And of course, an apology can be an important symbol of all that. But ultimately, an apology toward another individual person, and I guess we're limiting things here in this particular situation, talking about the classic apology toward one person that you know, not necessarily the public apology that is all over the newspaper or on somebody's social media feed. The rest of the things we've talked about today could apply to those big general public apologies too. But right here, right now, we're talking about the person's feelings who's receiving a personal apology from you. And you'll need to take into account those feelings and whether or not that other person is actually in a place where they want to hear your apology. If they'd rather still get some space from you, but you so need to apologize and get it off your chest that you're being intrusive and difficult and upsetting them further, that's not good. That's when you need to do your own work personally and individually and maybe privately. It is always a good idea to try to make sure that your apology incorporates an understanding of the emotional effects that the other person experienced, which will help them feel understood and validated. So don't apologize simply for your actions, but apologize because you understand fully and with empathy the effects of your actions on the other person. Remember, this is different than... I'm sorry if you were upset. It's also not, please, 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 just let me apologize. It can be, I'm sorry I upset you. If you aren't ready to talk about this yet, I get it. But I know it was probably very disheartening to go through that when I did that. And I'm ready to talk further about it when you are up for it. These conversations are hard. There's nuance. There's pain. There's frustration. But hopefully you have some things to think about here if you ever have an apology to make. Though, of course, my listeners have nothing to apologize for in the first place, right? Oh, if only. Speaking of which, I have to go now. Because I ate the last can of Dolmas that was supposed to be reserved for a member of my family. Apologies. Here we come. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to like 17 podcasts. We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Merity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time, take good care.